From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help chief marketing officers in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Today I'll be talking about the future of marketing, most specifically interactive marketing and media, with Mark Kwame, general partner at one of the most famous venture capital firms in the world, Sequoia Capital, based in Menlo Park, California. At Sequoia, Mark focuses on investments in enterprise data management software, consumer media and advertising services, among other things. His clients include LinkedIn, Funny or Die, iMeme, Motosport, Navigenics, Strongmail Systems, just to name a few. Prior to joining Sequoia in 1999, Mark was a pioneer in interactive marketing as CEO of CKS Group, an ad agency that pioneered new advertising strategies by integrated marketing with technology. Earlier in his career, Mark was president and CEO of International Solutions, a director of international marketing for Wise Technology, and a founding member of Apple France. Mark has a BA in French economics and literature from the University of California at Berkeley. Mark Kwame, welcome to Market Edge. Thank you for having me. Hey, Mark, first, why don't you, you know, at least give our listeners a little bit of the landscape you're seeing today in marketing, marketing services, interactive marketing, uh, you know, from the eagle's nest that you have, uh, you know, out there in the valley? Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, going back a little bit, you mentioned my experience at CKS, and and at CKS it was really kind of Internet 1.0, and we were really talking about how people consume media was, was changing and that eventually, from a marketing perspective, that the big difference between internet marketing and all other marketing was 100% measurable. And we, you know, everyone was c- quoting the old Wanamaker quote, you know, half my advertising is wasted, I just don't know which half. Well, I, I think the thing that is happening now is that now that, you know, the, the reach uh, and the, the usage of, of internet technologies uh, have grown so much, and a lot of them have permeated uh, many other advertising mediums, uh, the advertisers are really beginning to figure out which uh, which advertising messages and ads, if you will, are working and which are not working. And so it's creating a very different sort of behavior uh, by advertisers. And of course, you know the, the best example of that is the is the rise of Google and the fact that you know forty fifty percent, uh, depending on whose numbers you believe of all internet advertising is is done by the search engines because you know what better place to advertise than uh, you know when intent is uh, given by the user so if i type in you know honda civic maybe i'm in the market for a honda civic so i i think you know the big thing that you know we're starting to see out here uh... is that you know whether and i'm on the board as you mentioned of, of media media companies as well as uh... other companies actually on a new search company as well is that the advertisers are really beginning to understand that they can very cost-effectively and efficiently get to their audiences and understand what's working and what's not working. I think that's, that's the big 
you know, it's really, and it's permeating everywhere. I mean, I was just uh, with the CEO of a major, major newspaper company, and we've all been reading in the, in, the, in the newspapers and in the news, if you will, what's going on in newspaper companies, and that, you know, they're becoming one of the largest victims of these new trends because folks have figured out that the, the effectiveness of, of advertising in that arena is not as effective as many people had thought. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, you, you mentioned Google. You look, even though their stock's down a bit from its heights, it's still, uh, its market cap uh, is way beyond all the holding companies of marketing services combined. So if, if you combine, you know, Omnicom, WPP, uh, Interpublic, Publicis, Havas, you wouldn't even come close to Google's uh, market cap. Yet those holding companies keep holding on to that $165 billion dollars in television advertising every year, you know, when is that going to break down? It just, you know, it, it, it just doesn't seem logical to me. Well, I think what's going to happen is this, is that, uh, you know, to date, we have basically described content and advertising for, uh, by, by the technology that distributes it. And so, you know, newsprint was obviously uh, newspapers, radio advertising on the radio, TV, and so on and so forth. And, you know, then came Internet. Now there's mobile. Well, what's, what's happening is, you know, in February of this year, you know, all TV broadcasts, uh, signals go digital. Uh, and on top of that, basically, content and the advertising message, all this is going digital. Where you display it, where you consume it, isn't going to matter anymore. It's what's the most effective way to create engagement with my users for whatever product or service that I'm selling. And so I think this whole idea, other than um, uh, some appointment television like sports, and when we're seeing the numbers coming out of the Olympics and how much you know money uh, ABC, uh, NBC is making, other than some of those sorts of things where it's um, uh, particular you know, appointment-based events, I think uh, advertisers are going to basically look at okay, what's my now that I can measure everything across all medium, all media, uh, all mediums, is really look at what my cost per customer acquisition is, you know, what my uh, long-term value of that customer is, and what's the most effective way to go do that. And, and in some ways, all these guys are going to be you know looking at advertising in in that manner. And so I think what happens then is. If the internet is more, if if delivering that message through a you know an internet type form is more effective than delivering it through a a digital streaming service that's seen on the TV, well then the TV what's going to be happening on TV is going to significantly decrease. Yeah, but I I don't know the answer to that right now. I mean we're seeing it in newspaper. I mean newspapers are down. You know depending on you know whose numbers you you believe anywhere from ten to twenty five percent year over year. Well, you know, for the first time, too, I often cite the fact for the first time in 14 years, uh, this country doesn't have a newspaper over 2 million in circulation. And yet there's over 50 blogs in 2 million, over 2 million in participation. So Exactly. <laughs> hello. Yeah. Uh, no, exactly. You know, you've, exactly. You've been describing exactly. the shift of uh, appointment media to engagement media. Why don't you, you know, you've just described the shift a bit, but maybe explain a little bit to the audience what you mean by the appointment media versus the engagement media. Well, I mean, basically, because um, the uh, the content providers, whether they were newspapers, whether they were radio stations, or whatever, there was friction between them getting their message out 
and uh, and people utilizing. So you know, if you were a uh, a radio, the radio people controlled because they bought the the uh, the broadcasting rights, you know, from the federal government, both in the TV and so on and so forth. They controlled those channels, and so and when you control those channels, what you then do is create uh, artificial. Um, artificial, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for, um, scarcity of that content. And so you right. create prime time. You create, uh, okay, I won't, you know, you create syndication. You create all these things in order to milk as much money as you can uh, out of that t- type of environment. And it's great for advertisers because if it's only available at that time and it's, it's, a, it's a valuable piece of content, then uh, I got to be there. I have to be on NBC primetime because 20 million users or whatever, it has to be there. So that's the history. Well, that's all changing now. I mean, people, you know, you and I grew up uh, in this whole concept of the, uh, I like to call it the, uh, the uh, uh, was called the information generation, where the whole focus was, okay, I need my information when I want it, where I want it, how I want it. Well, my kids, my teenage boys and, and girl, they they get anything they want anytime they want anywhere they want. I mean, you know, they want a movie listing. I mean, when I, you know, when you and I were growing up, where'd you find music? Um, the uh, movie listings is you had to go to your paper and see when the movie listings were, right. or you or you called them up. But nine times out of ten, you had the morning paper sitting there, and that's again appointment driven. It was the morning paper. That's the first thing you did in the morning was get the paper, and then you had all this information in it. Well. That's fundamentally changed, and what's the, the big difference now is I think we're going from the information generation to the attention generation. So how am I going to garner my my uh, the the consumers of this content and advertising? How am I going to garner their attention for periods of time? And you know whether it's on a cell phone, whether it's on a TV, so on and so forth. Well, once I garner their attention, I've got to engage them, and I got to engage them quickly. So the engagement before was the scarcity of the information. Now information is plentiful and everywhere. I've got to get their attention, and then I've got to engage them for as long as I physically can. And that, that's the big fundamental difference that I think that's happening on the marketplace. Yeah, well put, uh, Mark. It's, uh, couldn't agree with you more. You know, and as, as marketers lose control sort of over the time, place, format, you know, uh, and the consumption, it was sort of a a fake thing, but now that they lose control, how do you think they're going to learn to not really have control of, you know, uh, uh, their messages, you know, all the time, or even do stupid things? You talk about the teenagers. My daughter, Julia, came in to me the other day, and she said something really lame happened on Facebook. I said, what was that? She said, Coke wants to be my friend. You know, so the the marketers, and they're not dumb marketers, Coke, but, you know, still, it's when are they going to realize that they they really can't completely control the message? That that is what you just said there uh, is is the key thing that marketers need to understand. They no longer control the message. What a marketing person is today is they are a steward of the conversation. So it's a, it's, the way I like to put it is, a marketing guy today, a marketing guy or gal today, it's like, first they've got to be invited to the party. Okay, so there's this party happening where my users are, where my consumers are. I've got to be invited to the party because I no longer can interrupt the party with a 30-second ad that I, on a TV show that, that everyone at this party's at, right? So I gotta, one, I've got to be invited. Two is, once I'm invited, 
I got to start the conversation about my product. So I got to create. So the marketing person still needs to create the compelling message to create the two or three declarative sentences that get someone excited about it. But then all they can do after that is be a steward of the conversation. They have, the only way it's going to work is if it's if it's of of value to that that their constituency to help uh, be the steward of how it spreads through that party. Um, you know, that's it's a crazy analogy, but it's the best way I can put it. Um, because I think um, uh, that the days of the marketer controlling anything are done. Uh, I mean, with blogs and with Twitter. I mean, one of the things I do now on all my companies is before I go to a board meeting, you go to search.twitter.com, I type in the company name and see what everyone's talking about the company or product. I was at yep. this major newspaper on Tuesday. I mean, you know who they are, very, very large newspaper company. And I typed in their name, and I was there with the CEO, and he was blown away at the accuracy of what people were talking about on Twitter. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, I had similar conversations with some stubborn East Coast uh, newspaper people, very famous newspapers that, you know, keep holding the argument that uh, they're the only people that can validate, you know, news. And I said, well, give me a break. Two million people can't validate immediately how accurate their their image is. And, you know, they just sort of, you know, <laughs> were, were stunted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. We're going to take mm-hmm. we're going to take a short commercial break right now. Please stand by, and we'll be right back with Market Edge with Mark Kwame from Sequoia Capital and more of this fascinating conversation. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. Friend Finder, Friend Finder, the world's largest online dating network, featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com, represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Welcome back to our coverage of the 17th Annual Golf Invitational, brought to you by SureHits.com. When looking for the right ad network, there seem to be unlimited choices. Go with the only network that targets the insurance industry, SureHits.com. Let's head down to the fairway. Here we are at the 18th hole. Odd choice for Ken Mitchum to not go with SureHits.com here. I mean, they are the only ad network that targets the insurance industry. Definitely a strange choice to not pick the best option for publishers in the finest category, but, oh, here's a swing. Oh, look out, folks. Terrible slice into the woods. Jeff Burns now stepping up to the fairway. And it looks like he's already chosen SureHits.com. Clearly the best choice since they pay more for quality traffic. And the swing. Oh, my, he crushes it. When getting ready to make your drive, go with a sure thing. SureHits.com. For insurance, it's SureHits. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. Domain Masters. Rick Schwartz, a.k.a. Domain King and Webfather. The Europeans should be snapping up these dot-coms because they're getting a great value because of the weak dollar. Same thing with the housing market. With a weak dollar, the people from other parts of the world can come in with a stronger currency and really get some great value. If that happens, 
that will uh, save the day. And historically, it has happened. If it doesn't happen, I think we're in for a really, really tough ride. Domain Masters. Live broadcast Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of search, SEO rock stars, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Mark Kwame, general partner at Sequoia Capital talking about the future of marketing and media. And uh, Mark, of course, was a pioneer in a lot of this, especially from the agency side. Might as well get that question out of the way right, right now, Mark. What is the future of, a, of the ad agency? <laughs> well, the ad agencies, what they always used to talk about is, you know, we're going to help you know, create the conversation, if you will, with, uh, with your consumers and, you know, help you in, in crafting of the messages and, and things like that. Um, and basically what they do is they create a singular message or a singular concept, a tagline, and then kind of launch it off into the media uh, ocean. Uh, I think, I think that, that the agencies, the need for agencies is, uh, is, will continue to be very strong, but they need to fundamentally change how they, uh, how they conduct their business. I think, you know, as we were discussing in the previous segment, I think what they're going to have to do is be a partner with the marketer to help them be, you know, the stewards of the conversation uh, and figure out, you know, to, you know, have their hand on the pulse, real-time pulse of what people are, you know, how they're talking about the product, how they're interacting with the product, and uh, and help their uh, their marketing partner in getting, uh, you know, the right messages out there in a, in a timely and efficient manner. What um, what balance do you see as far as like the use of innovative technologies in in marketing? Uh, you know, some people argue that agencies are also going to have to become sort of systems integrators uh, as as new technologies produce themselves, from you know advanced widgets to to whatever. Uh, how technically savvy do you think marketers are going to have to be, or will that sort of go under the hood like a lot of technology? No, I mean, I, I said this in the early days of CKS and uh, through that whole period before I got into this crazy business. And, I mean, I think an advertising agency needs to have as many engineers as they have creative people. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's just, because you've got to, you know, it's all about the data. It's about manipulating the data. It's about understanding the data. It's about uh, creating products and services in and around that. Um, I just, you know, the, the days of where it's just the creative, it's just, that's just not going to work. You've got to have a, a large constituency of, in, of engineers to, uh, to make it happen. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Hey, shifting gears a little bit, we had uh, a friend of yours uh, in mind, Reed Hoffman, on um, uh, a few shows ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're on the board and our investor in LinkedIn. Can you yep. give us a little bit of your view of sort of social, the social web, uh, you know, first inning of the social web and where we're headed from here, both from uh, a content perspective and a, uh, a marketer's perspective? Well, I think the interesting thing that we're seeing on LinkedIn, um, uh, as far as, you know, from a, from a business perspective, is this whole idea of, how I, you know, we, we used our networks, but it was very inefficient to use a network. 
And so, right. you know, I had to call somebody, oh, do you know this person? Then I have to call somebody else, do you know this person, uh, in order to get connected to them, if you will. You know, with today's technologies and with, you know, with LinkedIn, for example, I can, you know, uh, the best example I like to use is a couple of years ago, I wanted to talk to Ross Levinson, who was at, at uh, News Corp at the time, uh, Fox Interactive, uh, right uh, prior to they bought MySpace. Right. And I, I didn't know the guy at all, and I just typed in his name, and I found out that eight of my connections knew him, and within four hours, I was talking to the guy. Yeah. Because uh, I just sent a message through LinkedIn. So this whole idea of utilizing your network more quickly and more efficiently to get stuff done is, is really cool. The, the other thing, though, is I don't know if you've played with LinkedIn answers, but you, know, uh, you can now send out a question through your network and because they know um, it's kind of a social contract that, hey, if I can help this guy out, um, I'm going to help this guy out, uh, but I'm going to know who this person is. And so the quality of the answers are so, so high. So right. this whole idea that's kind of using the cumulative knowledge of everybody in my network to solve a problem is another huge uh, capability that you can do in these things. So I'm... I'm very excited about this whole area. I uh, I think everyone will belong to a couple different, for lack of a better term, social graphs. You know, one will be business oriented, like I think a LinkedIn. One will be, uh, you know, friend oriented, like a uh, um, uh, like a Facebook, and and so on. And, and you know, I'm on the board of a company called Star Doll, which is basically a social network for girls eight to fourteen to to dress up dolls. And it's growing like crazy. It's like eight yeah. eight nine million visitors a, a month and unique visitors. I mean, it's just, it's going crazy. So there's a, there's a lot of different opportunities out there. Um, let's go up about 30,000 feet just for, for one big question. Um, you know, you and I grew up in the era of brand and how important the brand is. What's happening to the brand discussion now? How do you create great brands fast? Well, um, I think branding has fundamentally changed in that in the past, uh, you do a lot of research, you, you talk to a lot of customers the best you could, you develop the product, and you kind of hand it over to the marketing guys, and the marketing guys would then um, you know, come up with this great message uh, and you know, throw $20, 30000000 million at it and, and launch it off into the media ocean. Um, my feeling right now is great brands are discovered, not promoted. Mm. And so what you do now is you, you uh, especially on the Internet, is that you, you toss it out there uh, and, uh, and you say, hey, take a look at this. And then a couple people tell a couple people. Since there's, there's no friction in communication and everybody wants to communicate, they need content to communicate with. And so what happens is it, it's, it's just this massive telefriend campaign. And so, um, you know, if you look at whether it's Google, whether it's Yahoo, whether it's eBay, you know, some of the biggest brands that are out there right now, they never spent a penny in advertising, uh, you know, prior to going public. I and mean, eBay now spends money in advertising, as is Yahoo and a couple others. Yeah, but sort of bad ads, too. It, they were all about eBay. <laughs> What's that? Uh, sort of bad ads, I might add, about eBay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the way I look at it is, um, you know, that's why I say the marketing guy is a steward of the conversation. You know, you got to kind of, you know, the, the example I like to use is uh, you mentioned I'm on the board of Funny or Die. Um, you know, we, uh, Will and Adam, produced this neat little piece of content called The Landlord. 
to go launch Funny or Die. And the way that was launched is I, on a Thursday afternoon, literally sent out 10 emails, and that was it. Wow. Okay, that was the, cold, that was the total sum of our marketing. <laughs> and by, uh, uh, this, it was a Thursday afternoon, I sent out 10, 10 emails. On Friday, uh, the landlord had already had 150,000 views, and then by the next Monday, it was like 30,000 views a second because it just spread like wildfire, and you created this brand-new comedy brand out of nothing. Yeah, that's so I think those are the sorts of things you're going you're, you're gonna to see out there. Hey, speaking of companies you're on the board of, there's a lot of buzz around iMeme. Can you, mm-hmm. can you tell us what they're all about? Well, I mean, basically, it's it's the third so, it's the third largest social network in the United States, and it's this whole concept we were just talking about social networks for business and friends. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that define themselves by the music and media that they consume, uh, music, video, uh, other things. And what they've done is been the first uh, company out there that uh, has fully licensed all the music and have created a music discovery service, a media discovery service that then allows you to then connect with your friends to see what they're listening to and they can see what you're listening to and, and basically create a social graph around that. And it's been growing like crazy and um, they've just done a fabulous job of, of tapping into the, the need for people to um, communicate and define themselves by the media that they, uh, that they are interested in. Hey, the critics of uh, social media keep you know coming back with the same old argument to me that uh, there's no way you're going to find a monetization model, and you know we're just going to have to try to keep using these the intrus I call it the era of intrusion marketing, and you know where we kind of force you to listen to a message or something. You know what are some of the monetization you know things circling your head around you know companies like LinkedIn and iMeme and even ones that aren't in your uh, uh, well, I mean, I think, I mean, I'll give you the, the you know, I think three or four. I mean, obviously, the, the, the one thing that, that, you know, people are correct about in the, in uh, discussing, uh, you know, is the whole CPM thing. I mean, in a social network, you're blasting through pages. And so right. the engagement of the user to see a specific ad is, is relatively low. But, there are many pages, for example, on iMeme, uh, iMeme, a big chunk of their revenue is advertising that are very engaging for the user. Uh, and, you know, for example, on iMeme does five, six million music searches a day. Uh, that's a great place where people are fully engaged uh, for an advertising message. Right. Uh, the other way is like LinkedIn. Uh, once you create a social network, there are a whole bunch of products and services you can put on top of that that you can get subscription revenue for. Uh, and so we sell a pretty significant amount of, uh, of subscription revenue at LinkedIn, and, and that's doing very well. Of course, they do have advertising and job listings, but the subscription revenue is a, a big chunk of it. And then last, you can do things like what we're doing at Stardall. I mean, Stardall, huge percentage, I mean, 60 70% of their revenue is through selling digital goods. It's basically selling digital clothes for the girls to, uh, to dress the uh, – their, their dolls and, and also in digital goods to dress up their rooms and so on and so forth. So, you know, in China, for example, most online revenue is coming through uh, microtransactions. It's not coming through advertising. Right. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can monetize these things. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I think you have to look at them in in how people are using your product and or service in a, in a different way and then figuring out okay is advertising the most uh 
the most effective because I have a lot of engagement. Like we are talking about before, if you don't have engagement, you're never going to get high CPMs. Right. Uh, or is it digital uh, you know, microtransactions through selling digital goods? Is it subscriptions? I mean, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. I also see it coming the other way, too. You know, it's funny. I was, uh, said this to the listeners before. I was recently on uh, Amazon, and you, you know, you're going to say get a life, Larry, but an uh, hour and a half later... And I'm going, how come I was on so long? And, you know, they've started putting videos. They had sent me an email that John Updike, somebody I like, was going to have a Q&A. And so they were coming the other way. They were coming from transaction to social and sort of creating a whole environment for me that made me feel great. And I posted a couple reviews, bought some more books, you know, and um, I thought it was terrific. Yep. Yep. No, I... Uh... And, and, and but you know what they just did there through doing that is they created a significant amount more engagement for you as well. Yep, totally. Hey, yeah. we're winding down, and I always uh, try to end uh, uh, the half hour with uh, the specific question. You know, uh, to my guests, that uh, could you share with us, you know, one or two sites that uh, you know might be just coming onto the scene that you found really cool, other than the ones you know that uh, that you're on the board of that uh, you think our listeners should go check out. You know, we've had people mention early um, months ago Doppler, uh, mm-hmm. which has proved to really take off, and uh, Twitter was an early one early in the year. Uh, any Anything, Mark, come to mind that uh, you'd want to share that we well, are missing out on? Well, uh, I'm going to, uh, if, if you, uh, I'll say one that I, if you're a sports fan, yeah. uh, that I really like is a, is a site called bleacherreport.com, growing very rapidly. Uh, it's basically uh, uh, aggregating and then edit- creating an editorial service for about 4,000 sports writers now across across the world now. Uh, so if you if you want to get information on your small little sports team, uh, nine times out of ten they have it. And uh, uh, great group. It's, these are you know four twenty somethings. I think they're all about 24 years old guys, and and they're just it's growing very nicely. Um, the other one I, I'm going to tell you is 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 an investment, um, but I'm I'm hooked on it. Uh, is a, it's a new search engine called Search Me, which is a visual search engine that I'm I'm really excited about, uh, cool. and it's growing uh, very nicely as well. Um, and it it not only allows you to find things, it allows you to organize what you find on the internet. And um, that's two that that's. Uh, that's going to be so timely, especially as the web really moves into its visual period. Exactly, and if, if and then also is if everything goes. I mean, the one thing we haven't really chatted about today, but is if everything goes into the cloud, everything becomes digital, and everything is accessed over my mobile phone, computer, laptop, TV. How you organize all that information is going to be really tough. You're not going to want to just okay. I got to go to YouTube for my videos. I got to go to Flickr for my images. I got to go to the web to get a web page. I got to go to you know, Google News to get my news. You know, it's just having all this stuff all over the place just doesn't make any sense. Well, a half hour is not enough to talk with you, Mark Kwame, and maybe you'll be nice enough to come back in a few months and we can uh, continue this conversation. I want to thank you uh, for being with us today on Market Edge. Great. Well, thank you very much for having me, and I'd uh, love to chat any time in the future. Uh, that was Mark Kwame, our guest on Market Edge today from Sequoia Capital and a pioneer in uh, in interactive marketing. And uh, we just had a great conversation. So uh, do uh, remember to come back and join us uh, next Tuesday uh, at 12 o'clock Eastern Time for another edition of Market Edge. This is Larry Weber. Bye-bye.